It's Friday already. Can you believe it? And uh, this week has flown right by so very, very, very quickly. And uh, it's just hard to believe. Gorgeous morning out here, though. And uh, looking forward to getting out and enjoying a little bit of that somehow today. Hey, big stuff happening here in the state of Maine today. Things that we're going to start our morning praying about. Uh, and if you can do anything about, in fact, I will try to remember to mention this also at the end of the broadcast. Uh, if you have availability in your schedule to go to uh, the Augusta State House today, there is a likely vote on LD sixteen nineteen, uh, which is the abortion bill, which will allow abortion for any reason up uh, to birth, uh, and. Uh, it's something that there has been a lot of stir over, and it has been much, many, many people, Christians, 
uh, of many ilks and people not Christians who were against this bill uh, back in May, I believe it was, April or May, uh, flooded the, the state house for testimony and uh, marathon 23-hour testimonies given. However, we understand that uh, Planned Parenthood is trying to bring in their people today. And uh, so if you have the availability to go to the state house today, uh, I would encourage you to go to the state house, uh, stand with those standing for life. Uh, it is a critical measure. And uh, so we, we uh, encourage you. So they, they're asking, especially in the afternoon, if people can go in the afternoon or evening now, if, if if they do the vote this morning, then it might not matter. But they're, uh, the uh, Christian Civic League of Maine is trying to rally the troops, as well as our other groups, groups, uh, People for Life and, and whatnot. Uh, so I just want to encourage you. It is it is a horrific bill. Uh, it, it reminds you of, of uh, Old Testament uh, children's sacrifice in many ways. So um, we're going to stop and pray before we get to go any further. But Lord, we, we do pray for the state of Maine today with this horrific bill uh, that uh, they have uh, pushed and pushed and pushed. And uh, now the, the opposition, who has had a very marginal voice up until now, uh, is going to try to rally their troops here in this uh, uh, 11th hour. And Lord, it is our prayer that they don't rally many people. And it's my prayer that many people here from the state of Maine that are able will get there to the state house uh, in Maine to stand for life. And Lord, we pray that you'd put on the hearts of the, the legislature to uh, reject this bill, to reject this measure, which is one of the farthest reaching in the entire country. Uh, so, Lord, and we know if it passes, it just it's it's going to be um, inviting the judgment of God. So, Lord, it's our prayer that uh, you would stop this measure um, as your people and and even people who aren't your people uh, stand up for life. And, Lord, it's also my prayer that. People who go who may not be Christians but believe in life, perhaps they would be impacted by the gospel and would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray the same for, for the legislators as well. Lord, we look to you today. We bring to you our burden about these things and ask that uh, ask your intervention, Lord. Bind the hand of the evil one uh, who is rearing his ugly, nasty schemes uh, here in the state of Maine. Lord, we ask it in the name of Jesus. And Pray also as we get into your word, give us your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know that's kind of a little bit of a shocker of a beginning this morning, but it's necessary and critical. And and maybe even if you, you know, if you can't go there, post some things about life on Facebook. Now, don't go on the attack. Uh, there are people who go on the attack and attack people who believe those hideous things. Um, we don't want to be attacking people. Uh, at least this pastor is telling you, I do not believe that's in keeping in the way of Jesus to attack people 
who uh, would uh, uh, take such a view. Uh, we need to stand for life and, and not be on the attack against people. In fact, we need to demonstrate the love of Christ to said people. So, again, I will try to mention that again by the end of the broadcast for others who may be listening. But, again, if you can go to the State House in Augusta today at any time, encourage you to do so. Uh, likely vote on LD19 today. Uh, get there uh, and support life if you're able to. So, Let's get into the text. Uh, we are in Acts chapter 15, and uh, I will put this up there for you so we can read it together. Uh, those, if you're listening via podcast sometime later on, I encourage you to get out your own Bible and take a look and follow along, whether it's on your phone or uh, a paper Bible, either way. Some men came down from Judea. To Antioch, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told the Gentiles uh, how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. Now, let's stop right there at this point, and uh, let's look at the problem. Uh, they're, they're saying in verse 1, some were saying, unless you are... Uh, Unless you are circumcised, according to custom Moses, you cannot be saved. They were adding something to it. Uh, when the people asked in Jerusalem, when the people asked Peter, what then must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Uh, and that was the message that the Lord Jesus had given. It wasn't uh, repent and be circumcised. It was re repent and be baptized. Now, circumcision was just one of the things that... Uh, was being added at that early time, not that long after the time of Christ, uh, after his ascension, uh, and early here in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I mean, we're talking within within the first, you know, within the first five years, likely that uh, that this type of false narrative is being uh, promoted. Now, what about in our day? Are there things that people say need to happen in order for people to be saved? Yes. Uh, and I'm talking within the broad Christian tradition, there are things that people say that others need to do in order to be saved. As an example, I mean, circumcision likely isn't one unless it is in a Jewish context and there are messianic followers of Jesus who are saying something like that. They may be the ones that are, are saying you have to be circumcised. But it's written about right here in the book of Acts, and we will get to the conclusion of the matter here in just a short little bit to see what, what is said. But in our day, there, there, there are things like uh, you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved. There are some groups that teach that. That, my friends, goes beyond the gospel, uh, and it 
begins communicating things that are not part of the gospel or requires things that are not part of the gospel. If anybody tells you, like a radio evangelist or whatnot, television evangelist tells you, uh, you know, you in order to be saved, you need to send your money. That is a false narrative. That is not truth. So we uh, we we reject a narrative like that. In fact, we go as far, and this one is a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more merit to the statement, but we reject it as well. You have to be baptized in order to be saved. Now, why do I say there's a little bit more merit to that? Well, when you go back and consider what uh, what Peter said, and there are some things that were allowed into the scriptures that uh, that create some confusion uh, for people, and this this is one of those, because when the people asked in Acts chapter two, "What must we do to be saved?" we see here in Acts two, verse thirty eight, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see uh, here Peter saying, repent and be baptized, but that isn't even part of the message that Jesus gave. Repent and believe. Uh, and baptism, it's here in the text. We God put it here in the text. We have to reckon with it. It is important that people be baptized. Um, but it is not a, an essential to be saved. But what it does do, and what 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 Peter's saying here is in, in this act of, of Christian baptism, you are demonstrating, in fact, that you intend to be a follower of Christ. Baptism is a post-salvation act, and those of you that will listen to me for any length of time know that I'm a big proponent of not having a long wait time between salvation and baptism. However, I will also say this. Over the last few years, I've given thought to baptism, and and while we want to do it quickly, uh, after one is saved, I think we need to press people hard about their salvation before we baptize them. Uh, and I have, I have not always done that. Uh, I'm just being honest with you. I've not pressed in hard on people about, you know, are they really wanting to follow Christ or are they just wanting to get to heaven? Um, if they're just wanting to get to heaven, they may or may not be saved. Um, and, and I would want, to, if, if, if they're saying it because they want to get to heaven, then I think we need to press on that and say, but why? Uh, well, because I want to be with, you know, my my dear, lovely family. Okay, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good answer, but it's, Maybe not even the correct answer, uh, or uh, it's part of a correct answer. I want to get to heaven because I want to be with God. I, I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. Uh, I, I want to go to heaven um, because it will be free from suffering, sorrow, and pain, which will be part of hell. And so we look at those things. Hang on just one second. Sorry, I had to answer a question there real fast. What what is the what is the reality? 
Um, I mean, because I'm a sinner, God wants me to be put in right relationship with him. The benefit of that is heaven. Uh, what are we being saved from? Not saved to heaven. We're being saved from sin. We're being saved from the wrath of God uh, that we deserve because of our sins uh, and uh, th- those things. And, and we need to press in upon people and ask questions prior to bap- baptism. Those of you that are, are elders, uh, pastors, uh, I, I encourage you, don't delay in baptizing people. But I also want to encourage you and say, press in hard on people. Let's not get let people have a phony sense of assurance that really doesn't fit the narrative at all. Back to Acts chapter 15. Let me take us there. Hang on just one second. I'm also going to step away from the computer for just one moment. Sorry, friends, I also have creatures about the house called uh, pets, dogs, that sometimes are doing things they're not supposed to do, like uh, eat other dogs' food. Back to the text here. Um, Things that get added for salvation. Uh, Circumcision was one. Uh, Sometimes... Telling people you have to be baptized is one. Sometimes telling people you have to be a church member is one. Sometimes there are some groups that will tell people, well, you you need to um, never sin. If you ever sin again, you lose your salvation. That's a false narrative because you're not saved by your works. You are not saved by your goodness. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is what saves you. True faith, uh, a faith that takes hold of God, a faith that takes hold of Christ, a a faith that that acknowledges uh, your own sinfulness and your need of a righteous Savior, the one who became sin for us. Now, you might not know those things to come to salvation, but but, but that's the reality of it. And uh, I wasn't thinking about how he became sin for me. Uh, so that I might become the righteous of God, so that you might become the righteous of God. Salvation is not uh, garnered by any work. It is garnered by faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. And, and uh, um, so if in modern day you hear other people saying other things. Now, I, I, I've said myself some things that maybe border on it, like, you know, it isn't enough to pray a prayer. And I, I believe that. I mean, if that prayer is not mixed with genuine faith, it will not save. Uh, and that faith, I believe, is made evident by the reality of a desire to begin to know and follow God. Uh, I believe that, that, that that gives credence and evidence to the faith. Now, I do think that we disciple people poorly. 
people kind of come in and come out and and come to faith and fall away from faith. I, I think those things do happen. Uh, and maybe some people that are legitimately truly saved are not walking with Christ because they have um, they've lost their faith. But at some juncture along the way, there, there should have been some evidence of the fact that they are children of God, that they desire to know God, that they desire to walk with God. Now, let me let me get into the text here. Uh, further, verse 2 says, This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question now. I want us just to, again, to consider, um, in fact, this this may not be on this entire map. I'm going to put a map up for you um, so you can see. There it is. Uh, They are all the way, in fact, it's not even on the map. Uh, The Antioch we're talking about is up at the very very top of the screen, and um, Jerusalem is far to the south. So you say, so why does it say they went up to Jerusalem now? Uh, If anybody can remember the reason, and I've told you why before they were saying they went up to Jerusalem, even though Antioch was a few hundred miles to the north, uh, why why it would say they went up to Jerusalem. If you can answer that in the comments, great. Uh, I will try to remember to give the answer here in the broadcast as well, um, why it says they went up to Jerusalem. Let's go back to the text. It says, uh, they went up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Now, here is here is a great practice. They went to leadership. They didn't just try to settle it themselves. They went to other people uh, and were saying, can you, can you tell us the answer? What do we need to think about this? What do we need to believe about this? What do, you mean? do we need to tell people, yes, you got to be circumcised to be saved? Or uh, in our day, there could be other questions that came out. So Paul, Barnabas, others were sent, maybe even people from the opposition uh, were sent to Jerusalem, and they went to those who were recognized as the church leaders. It says the apostles and the elders likely two different groups. Uh, it, it could be reference to the same group of people, apostles and elders, the, the apostles being elders, but it is likely uh, including other people who were other men, especially in that day, uh, other men who were um, regarded uh, and appointed into eldership. So they went to see them, and, and I think that's what we need to do in, in the church day. Uh, when, when there are issues, we, we need to go to our church leadership, not just to the pastor, but, you know, and, and we shouldn't be surprised if you raise an issue to the pastor that he might just raise it to the elders. Well, I told the pastor, why is he telling the elders? Following the biblical example, there's a plurality of leadership. Uh, now, I'm not talking about personal things in your personal life, but when people come about issues uh, re- uh, regarding theology, theological positions, when people come uh, about issues about the church, 
uh, it's it's reasonable uh, that within your church or our church that those issues would then be raised to those in leadership in the church. Now, you might be in a church tradition somewhere where you don't have elders. Now, personally, I will state this. I believe the most biblical model of church uh, leadership structure uh, is that, and, and I'm going to give you the simplified version without getting into the various details of it, is that of elders and deacons. Uh, and, and I say that simply through a cursory reading of uh, from the book of Acts through the end of the Bible. I, through, from the book of Acts, we see uh, elders and deacons, and in the book of uh, um in Paul's writings, the book of First Timothy, chapter three, we see elders and deacons. And I, some churches have just deacons, no elders. Some churches have elders and no deacons. Uh, elders should be giving themselves to the spiritual development of the church. Uh, deacons should be giving themselves to the management uh, of maybe not the directional details, but the management of the ongoing operational aspects of the church. That's That should be the role of deacons. Uh, read Acts 6, which we have done before, and uh, you recall that that, in fact, is the case. Now, I haven't gotten very far into just uh, what happens here. Let me go a little further. Uh, the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted, and this news made all the brothers glad. I mean, do we rejoice of hearing of people's salvation? We should. Uh, I mean, are, are we prone? Are we inclined to rejoice uh, over things that uh, uh, when we hear God doing good things? We should rejoice and be glad. And it's my prayer that we'll be in a place of rejoicing and being glad for uh, so many good things that the Lord will do. Um, lastly, uh, I'm going to go just a little further. One more verse it says, "When they came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them." So they're giving a report. Uh, again, this summer, on two occasions, we're going to have missionaries who will be with us at our church giving reports. Uh, the last Sunday of July, July 30th, we will have Marco and Jenny Gudino uh, from Mexico uh, who will be uh, sharing with us about their church planting endeavors in Mexico. We're excited about that. Um, I'm excited for Pastor Jacob that because another another person who speaks Spanish will be in our church, and and I would encourage them to have a little fun with that. Uh, I will not be there that day. I'm going to be um, probably in New Mexico or somewhere in that uh, that neck of the woods uh, uh, in on that particular day. So um, just letting you know. Uh, but then also on August 27th, we will have... Uh, Dave and Marilyn Kibbe will be with us to share uh, about their ministry. So I'm really excited about having some missionaries with us to share about what's happening and um, to, to hear the report. Even like uh, Paul and Barnabas and the others were giving their report, 
uh, we're looking forward to having reports as well. And I hope that when you hear about the works of God around the world, that it stirs your heart. I know it does mine. And uh, very, very stirs my heart. And, and I, I pray that that will be the situation for you as well. Well, we didn't get very far into this text today. We will pick up again on Monday uh, as we further consider uh, what happens, you know, um, what are the essentials and what's the conclusion to the matter. Now, I've already given my conclusion in modern day, but let's see what they end up saying here on Monday. Now, just one more reminder. Uh, today at the State House in Maine, I encourage you to go there, uh, whatever hour you can go. The, the call specifically is for the afternoon and evening, uh, but there is likelihood of the vote on LD 1619, and I would encourage you to go uh, if you can uh, rearrange your schedule uh, and be able to get there and stand with those who stand for life. Uh, Planned Parenthood is, has been activated to try to get its people there, uh, and we want to uh, drown out their voice, uh, not, not nasty chanting or anything, but just by sheer volume of people. So, Lord, we pray for what happens today in Augusta. We pray, as we prayed at the beginning of, this, uh, of our time together, that you would uh, cause this measure to be rejected uh, and... Uh, that we can have at least uh, 24 hours of reprieve uh, before they begin their assaults again. Uh, so, Lord, hear our prayer about that. Hear our prayer that we would be people of the faith, that we would be people excited to hear what God is doing around the world, and that we would find ourselves doing our part. So, Lord, work in us, work through us, use us, help us to glorify you in everything that we say and do today for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. See you Monday.